Welcome to this week's episode of Wednesday Word. I am Sean Hughes, your host this week, and I'm sitting here with Nathan Rias. Good afternoon, sir. Ah, thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good to be here. And I uh, appreciate you, uh, you know, giving me a chance. I feel like I'm a really unlikely guest to have been asked to be, in, be on this. But, um, you know, I feel grateful and happy to, uh, to share my story and just kind of have a conversation about uh, whatever y'all want to know. Hopefully I don't scare anybody. Okay. And uh, keep it PG. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, like Julie said this morning, it's, it's just always really interesting to hear people's life stories. I'm a yeah. huge fan of reading biographies and autobiographies and stuff. And it's been a really interesting exercise to kind of think about this. Okay. You know, and yeah. um, I was thinking about that too, you know, as an exercise, even whether or not people decide they want to be on the podcast or not, you know, thinking a lot, thinking about a lot of the things that, um, you know, we're going to be talking about has been a good exercise. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 46 now I'm in, in my midlife, you know, and it's been a really uh, fun exercise to think about where I've been and kind of who I've become and, and how I got here, how I'm even sitting here with you right now. So yeah, <laughs> it should be interesting. I'm really excited. I think uh, your story is going to speak to a lot of people here at this church. And I'm, I'm excited we get to spend the time together to go over that. Same here, Sean. You, you and I spent uh, spent an hour earlier this week talking through your story, and I told you at that time, I'm like, I wish I we, I wish we recorded. Yeah, that that conversation was a phenomenal conversation. I've never had a bad conversation with you, Sean. Okay, like, it's always been good. So uh, I feel like you know everything's going to go well, and uh, you know I'm really open and and honest about you know talking about anything uh, you know with anybody. So uh, okay, feel lucky to be here. So you ready to go? I'm ready, bud. So Pastor Dave has this, um, I don't know if it's a tradition, but every memorial service he asks, you know, how shall we name you? Yeah. And I've always found that fascinating because yeah. I know you as one person, but you're so many different things. So I'm going to ask you, <laughs> Nathan, how shall we name you? <laughs> you know, it's this is part of that exercise that I was saying. Um, so after listening to Julie's sermon this morning, I was like, wow, that was pretty incredible. I better write some things down because, um, you know, hers was really good. And I feel like um, you know, thinking about that, I, I, in one regard, I felt like I was kind of like writing my eulogy, which was actually a, uh, an exercise that we had in college from okay. one of my professors, to, wow. which was like, it, you know, it was incredible for me to think, like, I'd never thought about that before and thinking about, you know, how who, the, the person that you are and what would be said if, if we were not to be on this earth anymore. Right. And, um, so I wrote some things down here. Um, and keep in mind, this is all kind of like a stream of conscious. Okay. You know, like I, because uh, I wrote this down after church and before I came here. So okay. It's not exactly in any particular order, but I just started kind of like writing. Okay. Let's hear it. <clears throat> so how do we define thee? A son, a husband, a father, an outgoing introvert, an only child, a brother to his best friends and all the people who follow the path of love, an observer, a thinker, a doer, a loser a winner, a stubborn and determined follow-through-er. He's lived multiple lives in his one life. He's too urban to live rural. He's too rural to live urban. Nathan has always been a participant in the zeitgeist of the times with a deep interest and respect for the times of the past. Nathan watches what people do, not what they say. Words are cheap. How people live their lives on a day-to-day -day basis always speaks the truth. 
He doesn't be he doesn't wait to be told what to do or for other people to make plans. He goes after life. He goes after life experiences head first even when it's meant doing it alone. He seizes the day. He's never been afraid to redefine himself, his life at any age or any stage of his life when called to do it. He's lived in self-chosen poverty, the top of the economic food chain and everything in between. He's made his home in a riverside tent, cooking barter-traded food out of a modest campfire with his canine companion, up to the suites of Manhattan and Hollywood four-season hotels being waited on hand and foot with food and accommodations only reserved for the royalty. He's learned true happiness isn't found in either of those places, it's somewhere in between. He's been faced, or he's been forced to rely on the kindness of strangers for meals when he's been broke, and humbly return the favors at blessed times of monetary abundance. A paperboy, lifeguard, ski lift operator, snowboard instructor, whitewater raft guide, dishwasher, waiter, mediocre student, <laughs> artist, designer, musician, Silicon Valley advertising executive, and a struggling businessman. He's never had a problem finding common ground with people in alleys or with CEOs of blue-chip Fortune 100 comp companies. He's an unapologetic dreamer. If he can't do it, he can learn it. Through all these lives, he's remained true to treating all people with respect unless treated otherwise. The mountains call to him. He finds his natural, spiritual church strapped into a board on freezing deep powder mountains, soaring down 2,000 feet of snow-covered vertical abyss as he dances with God. Nathan has learned that having the courage to howl at the moon is a primal gift. He seeks the full experience of a life well-lived, a humble child of humanity seeking a universal creator he's been called to. Nathan is ultimately and eternally grateful for the gift of this life. That was profound. <laughs> wow. I'm a thinker. I know, see that. Sure. Yeah. So um, it was, I also feel blessed to, you know, in a lot of ways, you asking me to do this gave me the opportunity to think about that, you okay. know, about where I've come from and, and where I am today. So so thank you for that. Okay. Uh, there's a lot to dissect there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start at my favorite part, which is the mountains, because I find that a spiritual church as well, mm -hmm. a place to like just reconnect with with God, with yourself, right? What, is, what does a mountain mean for you? Um. Well, it's not, I mean, the mountain is kind of the apex, but I would say nature in and of itself, whether, yeah. you know, I grew up in the woods of Michigan. Well, I grew up in the suburbs, but going to the woods, you know, and so I've, I lived in Michigan, you know, and where it's very wooded, um, you know, very humid and damp. And then I've also lived on the Pacific Ocean, where, okay. you know, salt water and yeah. all of that, which has been just as meaningful. But out of all those places, the mountains have naturally called to me my entire life. When okay. I was very young, you know, my parents, um, were, I was fortunate enough where they would actually, we would take, you know, a ski vacation every year. And from a very young age, I think my parents told me that um, one time I said that, you know, I was like four or five years old when I, when I started skiing out there. And my dream was to to uh, live at a ski resort and live in a hotel. Okay. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and that was, and um, that's always kind of, you know, stuck with me. And for me, the mountains and just those natural environments, um, that to me is God, right? And, yeah. you know, I, we were talking, and I didn't grow up going to, like, a church of, like, a in a building, right. you know? 
Um, so for me, my quest for spirituality and, and God and, and understanding that, that kind of higher power always occurred no matter what stage of my life um, out in the wild. And certainly at the mountains is where, is where I feel closest. And I was talking to my wife before I came here and, and it dawned on me that that was always my quest and doing those activities like mountain biking, hiking, snowboarding, all that really was, I mean, it's fun and I love the adrenaline. I like to go fast. Okay. So, um, whether it's on a bike or my feet or a snowboard, um, but the feeling of it and being there was always just as important, you know, and that gratitude for having those moments in the mountains. And I realized that, you know, what is that? It's, you know, what I've always seen is that's mother nature, right? Like right. Who gave birth to mother nature? It was our, our creator, right? God. Yeah. Right. And so for me, um, whether I'm whatever of those activities I'm doing, I always felt like I was communicating with God. And, you know, when I'm on my snowboard, I feel like I'm dancing with God. Okay. You know, that is my thing. Yeah. And I feel close to, you know, a spiritual higher power for whatever reason that it just triggers that in for me. So for those who are listening, they might not know Nathan. How would they recognize you in church? Oh, that's a leading question. Is it? <laughs> as as uh, Sean said, I'm the tattooed guy um, in choir. So okay. I usually uh, sit next to Bill, and uh, I'm usually off to uh, looker's right of when you're sitting in the church. Um, big beard right now, and thick glasses, and um, I sing bass. And... Um, yeah, you know, um, my uh, my wife and my my two kids, Ella and Otto, they come as well. And then now uh, my parents have also started coming. And, nice. Um, it's been great to feel that sense of community. And my dad's now um, working on the board for uh, Sandy Valley and everything. And oh, wow. Pastor Dave and all that. And, you know, honestly, I just feel very grateful for, for this Desert Spring community and ultimately where... Um, where God and, and, and where my wife kind of like led us here. Cause yeah. my wife kind of had to like pull us by the arm to get us here for the first time. Um, and it, I, I'm sure it's the same with so many people. When I, yeah. when I heard pastor Dave speak, it was like this sense of like, finally someone who gets it, you know, like a person, right. Cause every, you know, every human and every person, whether they're a pastor or whether they're, you know, a person in the congregation, everyone has a different perspective on God and what that, you know, what that is and and how they see it. And, you know, obviously the Bible. And, um, it was the first time of the churches that we've tried going to in the past where it felt just right on to, you know, where I, you know, the truth that I've always kind of felt to be true in my mind, on my heart. Um, and, and we've been coming ever since. Uh, so it's been about a year now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You said you didn't, um, you didn't grow up in a church. No. Um, I actually grew up, um, in a little suburb north of Detroit and it was pretty much like 99% Jewish. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, my parents and, you know, my grandparents and everything, they, they always, they raised me as Christian. I've always felt the the foundation principles of Christianity in my heart and in my soul, they've guided me through times of, um, you know, good and bad throughout my life. But um, you know, I was 
I was kind of like the Christian kid of, of the neighborhood, you know, and it, I was always accepted by my friends. Like it was never a thing, gotcha. you know, where they were like, oh, that's the Christian kid. Like we can't hang out with him. Right. I was like, you know, it was more of like, oh, that's Nathan. He's Christian, but he's with us, you know, gotcha. like he's cool. He, he's, he's all right. Okay. And, um, so, um, you know, it never really dawned on me until I think I was like in fifth or fifth grade or something like that, that there was, it was even a thing, you know, okay. that, you know, they celebrated different holidays than, than we did. Right. And, um, but for the most part, you know, all my friends and everything were, were very accepting and I was never asked to like, you know, go with them to like Hebrew school or like, you know, go to temple with them or anything. But I actually grew up knowing a lot more about um, Judaism than I did Christianity because that was just a part of it. And I mean, we would go to church on holidays, right? We were kind of that family, okay. you know, um, Christmas, Easter. And when we would go visit my grandparents in uh, north of Chicago, we would, you know, we'd always go. And I have incredibly deep and profound memories of growing up and visiting my grandparents um, you know, my grandpa would go once in a while, but he was kind of the guy where like, oh, I don't want to go. I don't want the roof to fall in on everyone, you know, and then, right? but my, my grandma would go. And I, you know, sometimes when I'm sitting in church, like I just have these very vivid memories of, of the sights and the, I can smell her perfume. Um, I can, you know, remember holding her hand. I can remember hearing her humming and singing. She had a, just a, a beautiful voice. Um, and so those are some of my favorite memories and profound memories of church growing up was sitting with my grandma and my parents, um, holding her hand, singing in the congregation and, um, you know, really feeling the sense of like, yeah, this is who I am. Like, I felt like it just felt right, you know? Yeah. But we were very involved in sports and I grew up, I was a, I was a competitive speed skater, right? So every Sunday, like we had we had practice in the morning, right? So we would go to the, go to the rink and we'd be practicing every Sunday. And I was competitive, like at a national level. I went to the, um, Olympic training center in Colorado Springs, um, in my, my early teens. And, uh, so we were very much dedicated to that. So that was my, like that activity was my favorite thing in the world. Like I lived for it at that time. And, uh, so that felt like, that was just like what we did. And I wasn't, you know, I don't regret it at all. I mean, I loved, I wouldn't change really anything about my childhood. I have a very loving, I have a very good relationship with my parents now. Um, so I don't regret it. That was just kind of how it was. Yeah. And, but my parents raised me on the principles of, of Christianity, of, you know, the 10 commandments and, you know, the difference between right and wrong. And, you know, although I grew up in a very, you know, Jewish community, I always saw myself as Christian. I always felt like I was. The things that have happened throughout my life, when I had to make you know moral decisions or, or decisions between right and wrong, no matter what state of life I was in or what state of mind I was in, it always went back to those things. And that's what's always felt like in my soul, you know, a way, a good way to live life. Yeah. And so I still had that. We just didn't attend like a physical church. Gotcha. As you became an adult, did you, did you, how did your faith change? Well, um, you know, once I got into my teens and, you know, my young adulthood, um, I think I really was not in a, 
religious kind of space. I just, you know, I think that different times, different people at different times in their life, you have to be open to that. You have to allow it in. And I just, I mean, I also think at that time I was, you know, numbing a lot and and stuff like that. And I just wasn't open to it. Okay. Um, But still, the difference between right and wrong and how I would feel about myself when I woke up the next day or in the morning, you know, was largely dependent on those principles and those values. Okay. And some sometimes I would wake up feeling terrible and sometimes I would, you know, wake up feeling good. But I think it was also one of those times in my life where I did kind of wish it was like, you know, you know, why because you start noticing things like once you move out and you get around other people and you find like very devout people, like spiritually or religious, like, you know, whether they grow up you know, Jewish or Christian or Buddhist or, you know, whatever religion it is, it's like, I started to kind of envy. I was like, wow, like, why can't I just, why couldn't I have just like grown up and been a Christian and gone to church all the time and just truly believe? And it would be so easy if I just knew one way, right? And one path is the right path. And because I've witnessed so many different people of all faiths and religions who have lived really, who are living really fulfilling lives and people who are not, you know, I know very religious people who are, you know, having a difficult time in life and, and, you know, and then I know, you know, people who are not religious who are having, you know, great lives. Right. And, you know, but when I was growing up and kind of finding my way in the world, I was, you know, that's when I started going to the mountains a lot. And, you know, I always, me and my friends, like we always just wanted to get out of the city and just go camping and go do that stuff. And that was, looking back, I think that that was my path for like feeling closer to a higher power. You know, I just didn't understand it. I didn't know what that meant. Um, but you know, taking snowboarding trips, hiking trips, camping trips, all that was just being out in nature. Right. And nature is God to me in my, I guess, I don't know (laughs) for all you listeners, I I don't know if this is right or wrong, (laughs) but to me, like how I feel about how my soul kind of reacts to it is, is, you know, what has created this, this incredible world, this universe. Right. And it's, it's, there's a creator out there somewhere like zero is zero, right? Someone had to create one idea of one. And so, um, to me, there's no way that, that, our lives in this world could not have happened without going from zero to one yeah. somehow by something. Yeah. And um, so... I like that metaphor. Yeah. Um, so you said, you know, throughout your your adult life, you've been chasing a higher power, chasing something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. When we talked prior to today, you mentioned you dabbled a little bit in Buddhism. Mm-hmm. How does that... How did that work out for you? What, what drew you to it, I guess? Mm -hmm. And what do you take away from it? Yeah. So I started studying that, I think when I was in college. Okay. Um, and I had finally kind of found a path in child in college that really started to stick and figuring out like, okay, this is something I can do with my life. I think I could support myself and be happy doing this. And, um, I ended up going to art and design school. And I really just started to, you know, it, it, it's art school. And some people are like, oh, it must be easy, right? You draw pictures and do this stuff. But it was the most work I've ever put in my life. Um, there's a lot of work, you know, going through everything from fine art training, like painting, illustration, color and light, um, 
you know, figuring out and then moving into the technology, like learning to use the tools and just learning to understand the craft, yeah. you know, much less like trying to create. Um, and after that, I started getting, you know, it, it was just a time in my life where it was like kind of a rocket ship, like things started taking off after I graduated, I started getting really good jobs um, and supporting myself through, you know, graphic design. And um, I, you know, found that I could make a living working at ad agencies, being an art director and being a designer and all these things. And um, the industry is incredibly demanding, um, especially when you're a junior and you're trying to work your way up um, through the industry. I mean, I eat, slept, breathe, the office and working all the time. Um, and I think like a lot of young designers do in the industry to get there. And, you know, fast forwarding up to the companies that I was working at when I was at Google and YouTube and Facebook and Instagram, um, there, it, like, it just ups the level of intensity yeah. and the demand. Um, and I, I started traveling a lot as well. Um, so as I got older and I started moving up in the ranks and getting promotions and stuff, the hands-on work came a little bit less, but, um, I was also asked to go travel a lot. So I was in, you know, New York a couple times a month. I was in LA a couple times a month. And at this point we were living, um, uh, just South of San Francisco in, in Half Moon Bay. And, and you were I, married at this time. Yes, I was. Okay. Yeah. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, to your question about like about Buddhism and like what led me to that, and I think it was learning to meditate. Okay, um, it gave me a sense of peace amongst the chaos that I needed to like pretty much just stay sane yeah. and to kind of take account of things and focus and um, allow the weight to kind of like lift from my shoulders. Yeah. And I was really drawn in by um, the the sense of stillness. Um, the sense of, of quiet and enlightenment. Okay. I was really interested in learning, like, how can I, how can I do this amongst like all of this crazy hecticness and pressure that I'm under every single day? Right. And so, reading um, a lot, you know, and practicing meditation um, and giving gratitude, um, which I think is quite similar to, to how I pray now, um, but. It's just kind of different, but then I ended up going to, um, I ended up after when you work at a lot of tech companies, like once you work five years, they give you a sabbatical, right? So they'll give okay. you like six to eight weeks off to just do whatever you want Wow! and go like <laughs> chill out, okay. you know, cause you, you probably need it. huh? You, yes, you do. Um, and so I actually, um, besides, uh, booking a big snowboard trip to a couple different places, okay. um, I also booked a trip to a silent retreat. Oh, um, which was, I thought was going to be really kind of boring, okay. you know? And I was yeah. like, what, we're just going to go there and not talk and not look at anybody, not talk to anybody and just sit there and meditate for like a week, you know? For a week. Yeah. I and would fail the first day. I, no, the, the first 72 hours are honestly the most difficult. Okay. When you are deprived of everything, like you have to check everything. So you go into this retreat, they take your phone your wallet, you have nothing but um, two two changes of clothes and like a sleeping bag. 
Wow. And that's all you have okay. for the whole week. And you signed up for this. Yes, I paid to willingly. do this. <laughs> yeah. Willingly. Yes, willingly paid to do okay. this. Um, and you go in and they give you like a little orientation, right? You know, and, um, and basically they tell you like, you're not allowed to basically speak to anyone or look at anyone like straight in the eye for the whole week. Wow. But yet you're, you know, you're meditating. You are, um, there's, there's moving meditation, there's sitting meditation. Um, and then, uh, so we do things and then there's like work meditation. Okay. Right. So like one of my work things was, you know, cutting up and recycling boxes, you know, like in between meditating and the sessions that we had and everything, and then helping to prepare food, right. Forever. It's very communal. Um, and the first 72 hours I laid there and everyone's like in their own rooms. Okay. And you're not allowed to read. You're not allowed to write. You're not, it's just you and yourself, like in your head. Wow. (laughs) And which sounds like easy. It's like, what you just go to sleep, but your mind races. I can imagine. It yeah. races, especially, and people say, if you can make it for, through the first 72 hours, you can make it the week. Okay. But most people left like within the first 24 to 48 hours because they freak out. Really? Um, yeah, because you are in yourself. You right. start thinking about everything, questioning everything. And usually people go there for reasons, you know, and, yeah. and so everything becomes ultra sensitive and, and, very deep, right? Because okay. you, you're, t- all the distractions are removed. Yeah, everything, communication. Um, but I ended up making it the full week. But there were times where I would, I would cry before I would go to bed. Wow. You know, because of things and, you know, things that have done in the past, and it really forces you to address yourself. Okay. Um, but I found the meditation just so comforting. Um, and we know we do, they do mantras and chanting and things like that. Okay. Um, but you you know, movement is supposed to be restricted. So you can't hike, you can't go on a walk and it's beautiful. It's in like Northern Canada. It's like, all you want to do is go hike and go through the hills. Just get outside. Gorgeous. You know? And it's like, no, you need to, you're kind of like forced to deal with yourself. Wow. And, um, the meditation and the peace I could find and the focus that I could find through that was just something that I needed at that time. And I really, really appreciate it. And, and I, and I still practice, you know, it's just, it's a different type of prayer now. Very cool. Let's come up to current. So you started attending Desert Spring, um, a year ago, you said, what, how'd you find Desert Spring? (laughs) Well, uh, my kids go to school here and I used to come pick them up in the parking lot. Okay. And it's strange because I always knew it was a church and I just never really thought about coming in because, we had tried going to some churches um, before we moved here. Okay. And just found them to be very, I almost want to say painful. Okay. You know, um, some of the churches that we tried going to, I felt very judged and I felt, I left feeling terrible about myself. What? Why? Well, even some things like literal things. I mean, this one church that we went to um, that will remain nameless. Um, I, we literally, I think it was the second time I was there, they had these screens and they started putting these images up of, you know, people with like different colored hair or like a bunch of tattoos or fancy cars and things like this. Okay. And they were basically preaching about how, you know, people like this are, think that they are better than others and it's about ego and oh. it's about, you know, putting themselves above others by having 
tattoos or these wild color clothing or fancy houses or fancy cars. And, you know, here I pulled up with my family in our Range Rover and I'm all tattooed up. Right. right? And I'm sitting there and I felt like the pastor was literally looking at me. Wow. And I was just, I felt horrible. I was like, I do not belong here. This person, (laughs) like they are, this community is not cool with us being here and not cool with... And I have always felt the opposite. Like my tattoos tell a story of my life, you know, like literally they're all, you know, for the most part, pretty positive, you know, some things, you know, happen out of bad things or, you know, you know, things that I, you know, maybe weren't as positive in my life and some things were positive, but it's my life nonetheless. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm also a very, you know, as pastor Dave, you know, would tell you or, or Heather, I'm a very emotional person. And even my kids make fun of me because I'll I'll cry at movies, you know, and even like one chord or one note of a song I will can make me cry. Yeah. And, you know, a lot, you know, a lot of these times and as I'm getting older, I, I wonder if a lot of these, you know, are kind of like armor. Right. It's that thick skin. Yeah. Um, and because I am like overly I would say probably overly sensitive about things ever since I was a little kid I remember the first time like kids made fun of me and it was like I didn't even understand that was a thing because I'm an only child you know I was like no one's ever like teased me before anything and I I like it it was like this whole new emotion it was just I felt terrible yeah so anyway you know being at this church I was just like we, you know, there were just experiences like that where we never felt like we were accepted or we belonged or it was something that was going to be a positive thing for our family or even things that I wanted my kids to, principles that I wanted my kids to, like, think that was right. Right. And so, um, you know, coming here, you know, we're at a point in our life, you know, after the, you know, the pandemic and everything, we're, we're looking for, you know, we've been told that true happiness is kind of that trifecta, right? It's mental health, physical health, yeah. and spiritual health. Yeah. And the spiritual thing was always that thing I felt like was lacking. Like I've been very active and, you know, athlete, you know, a lot of my life. And um, I've always been very mentally inquisitive and intellectual and stuff like that. But I was like, I'm missing the bigger picture. Okay. Right. And Katie and I were talking about that. And Katie's like, well, why don't we try that? you know, that church down the way and we'll see if it sticks. And if not, we'll just go down the block. You know, and um, so, you know, I, I know that there's different sects of um, Christianity and different view viewpoints from different kind of yeah. um, denominations and stuff. And so I was like, oh, I don't know if I've, you know, I, my parents have always kind of claimed like Unitarian. Okay. Like growing up, yeah. they felt like that's who that what they identify with because it's about action, right? It's not just about repenting and talking. It's about putting it into practice and taking it out into the world. Yeah. And you know, so Katie kind of twisted <laughs> twisted our arms and brought us in, and you know, kind of come full circle. We heard Pastor Dave, and I was like, "Here's a guy who gets it. You know, here's a guy I can relate to, and I would feel proud to, you know." Um, be a part of this congregation, yeah. you know, the person who follows the path of love, you know, it, that's the path that I want to be on. Amen. Um, I even have, you know, a tattoo on my praying hands, one love, um, you know, cause I kind of feel like different lip, different religions and different denominations are different doorways into the same thing that everyone's trying to get to. Okay. Right. And yeah. so um, it, it, it just, 
it was the first time I really felt like I belonged, right? All are welcome. I was like, even me? <laughs> <laughs> even <laughs> you. Like, sinner, you know? Like, yeah. um, and so immediately after we came to the first one and, you know, I, I'm so grateful that Katie, um, you know, kind of got us here. Um, I felt this, I'm sure like so many people felt this connection with him. And I'm like, I got to talk to this guy. Like I got some stuff to talk about. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, um, and I, I think pastor Dave at that point had like probably seen my face or seen us mm -hmm. in the congregation, but I, we didn't know each other or anything. Right. And I just called up to the church on like a Tuesday or a Monday or something. And I was like, I, I, I spoke to, <laughs> to the, her, the, the really nice woman who picked up the phone, who answers the calls. And I was like, yeah, I need to, I need to schedule a, um, uh, what was it? A, um, a confessional. Yeah. A confessional. <laughs> and like, I got some things I got to get off. And she was like, yeah, we're a Methodist church. We don't really <laughs> do that. But I was like, oh, okay. Well, I was like, I just really like to get some time with Pastor Dave. And yeah. it was, they were like, yeah, absolutely. And um, came in and I was dealing with um, a lot of heavy weight and burdens from my life that I needed to let go of. Yeah. Um, there's nobody harder on myself than myself. Yeah. Um, I'm very, very hard on myself emotionally. And, um, I just felt like in order for me to move on and to live a happy life, I got to talk to someone about this. And he, um, you know, I, not to get into the details of what I talked about, but I felt like I was being punished in some way okay, by God for past decisions and past experiences that I had done in my life. And, um, I couldn't get past it. Like I couldn't move forward and I, you know, professionally or personally. And, you know, he said some very simple things to me that just, that made all the difference. And he said, you know, well, you know, God has already forgiven you. Yeah. That's what, that's who and what God is. He's like, you're the one who has to forgive yourself to move on. And I was just like, you know, it's like, oh, you know, and yeah. it's like, it's not like God comes down with a lightning rod and zaps you and says, you will be doomed, you know, right. and I want you to fail. He's like, no, God wants you to be successful. Absolutely. He wants you to live a fulfilling life, yeah. you know, personally and professionally and all of this, like, but at the same time, you have to lay in the bed that you made, right? Like yep. you've made those decisions and perhaps God led you to those for some reason to be able to, to grow, okay, you know, in some way. And, and it just, it just, he hit it right on target and it was just, I've had this really incredible bond, you know, like spiritual bond with, with pastor Dave ever since. Yeah. So you go to his office. I mean, you've had, you've had trials in your life, right? You, you've stated in your, in your naming that you're, you're a winner and a loser. Yes. <laughs> so you, you've gone through some things in your life. So how did it, um, how did you feel when you heard that God has already forgiven you? It, literally the weight was, was lifted, you know, yeah. when I, and it allowed me to, the weight that lifted gave me the space to move forward and to look at what I needed to do to lay in the bed that I've made for yeah. myself, okay. right? And, um, you know, it's like pulling a rock uphill, right? Like, I, I felt like that rock that I was dragging up this hill was released. Like, I still had to walk up the hill, you know? Yeah. But I was like, okay, all right, I felt lighter, 
Later. And, um, you know, and there's been a lot of of wonderful things that have come since I've decided to kind of like move forward. And, um, so let's talk about some of those things. Yeah. Yeah. So a year ago you came to church, Mm -hmm. you, you've had this meeting with pastor Dave, then you got involved in the church. Right. Yeah. 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 So, oh, it was, it must've been, I think we'd been coming here a month or two. And I remember at one of the, at the end of one of the sermons, Jake, uh, made an announcement that they were taking tryouts for um, for choir, and I had grown up, you know, as a musician. I had been, you know, groomed to be a professional trumpet player um, from when I was in like third grade all the way into college. I, my first year at college was was playing trumpet. And oh wow! Played in symphony orchestras. Um, so are we going to hear you on life. a Sunday morning? Uh, no, <laughs> it's been a few minutes. Okay. I still have my trumpet, but um, that's why I. Uh, it wasn't even a thing. Like in my mind, it was like, that's my call. Okay. Like that's that other part. Like that's how I, I've always been very connected to music at every stage of my life, different types of music. And as soon as Jake said that, I'm like, I'm doing that. Yeah. And, and then I was like, did I just say that in my own head? Like, I'm going to go out for church choir. Like we just started going, but felt really close to everyone. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to. And we left, we went home and, uh, you know, my wife, Katie, she's like, so did you hear that announcement from, from the guy about, um, about trying out for choir? She's like, you should do that. I'm like, I know I totally should like, wow. yes. And, uh, so it was great. You know, anyone who knows Jake knows like how incredible he is, but yeah. I remember the first day I walked in and I was, you know, I wanted to be, I didn't want to walk in before cause I didn't know anybody. So I walked in like right on time and they were warming up and everything. And I walked in. And I was just kind of walked down that middle aisle and Jake turned around and he's like, Hey, you ready to sing? And I was like, Oh, it's been about 30 years, but I'm gonna give it a shot. And everyone in the choir was like, yeah, you know, like clapping and like, yeah. get on up here. You know, I was just like, wow. Yeah. That, it, that welcoming of that unconditional, just like, yeah, you're with us. Like, get up here. We don't care if we've never met you. We've never heard you sing. Like you're up here. Like you're with us. Okay. And um, I just started, you know, I hadn't read music in, you know, 25, 30 years. So I had to like relearn how to read music and, yeah. um, you know, sing and everything. And I literally, when I left, I was like, I felt like I just prayed like after singing. And I realized for me as a musician, when I sing, I'm praying. Okay. I'm not just like okay. singing a song that to me is giving love to God. Yeah. And, um, even when we come to, you know, practices on Thursdays, I feel like I'm praying. I come in feeling heavy. I walk out feeling light and happy and like, it's like a relief, you know, I'm letting my voice and this energy out into the universe, right. And to sing my voice and, and singing for God. Yeah. And I also feel really, really honored to have Pastor Dave's back. Yeah. Right. If that sounds like it was a weird thing too. The other thing about choirs, like usually when you're in church, right, you're facing, you're looking at Pastor Dave. Like when you're right. up there, you're, you know, some, sometimes I'll have him up on screen, but you're, you're, you're experiencing church from looking out at the congregation rather right. than looking at the choir. And that was a whole different experience. It was actually more than I didn't even realize it. So I was sitting up there. I was like, oh, this is really different way to go to church. Right. <laughs> you know? Um. But I felt proud, yeah. like, because 
I was so grateful and I felt like I want more people to hear what Pastor Dave has to say and how he views God and love and yeah. all are welcome, yeah. right? Like that is everything that I've ever felt to me. And it was like, I want to sing that praise, not just to God, but I want to have his back. Yeah, Like I want to support him. I want to sing really, really well and sing with my best voice so that not just God hears me, but the people in the congregation feel that love, yeah. right? And feel that sound and the vibrations, because there's vibrations that are like, you know, emitted from vocal cords that Absolutely. go out there. It's a yeah. thing. It's and uh, so I'm just, I was, it's one of my favorite, I feel like one of my most blessed and one of the things I'm most grateful for is praying through singing. Yeah. And, you know, Pastor Dave told me too, he's like, because I've talked to him since then, he's like, that's what it is. Like when choirs sing, you know, and especially in church, it's like, that's, you're singing to God. Like that's, yeah. that's you. And I was like, that's right on. Yeah. That's exactly how I feel. Yeah. So every Sunday you're up there singing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think I've missed a couple times, um, but only to go to the mountains. That's the only time I will ever miss a Sunday okay. is if I'm in the mountains. And I always tell uh, Jake that it's like, listen, my voice isn't going to be here, but I'm going to be with you. I'm in my church. I'm in my outdoor spiritual church yeah. on the mountain. And I've actually starting, I've started saying the Lord's Prayer um, if I'm on a lift by myself, like I, I feel funny, you know, I wouldn't, if there's other, if I'm riding the lift with other people, but like if, you know, if the few times where I'm on the lift or, um, I kind of like meditate, I close my eyes, I say the Lord's prayer and okay. I'm so grateful for this moment and this day yeah. and this, this time that's been gifted to me to like, to, to, to be and spend time with God and to dance with God, um, yeah. down the mountain all day long <laughs> and shred. Um, it's, it's, it means more than I can. It's just my thing, you yeah. know. For me, for some people, it's running, or some people, I don't know. It's it's uh, you know whatever. It's just my thing. That's where I feel, you know. And so I've started actually saying the Lord's Prayer at least one every time I go, one day, one lift. Okay. Um, and I give I give thanks for um for the for the Desert Spring, you know, congregation, the church, and, yeah. and that moment. I love the uh, visual of dancing with God. Yeah. Um, and you I feel like he's there with you. I do. Yeah. I, f I feel like I'm in tune, you yeah, know? Good. Um, and I think activities are, you know, and, and, you know, when I, when I said that, um, you know, howling at the mood is a primal or howling at the moon is a primal gift. Okay. Right. And, um, having that exertion and that adrenaline and that ability to have, look, you have the mental, the physical and the spiritual all in one activity for me, yeah. that is where I, that's my balance, man. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's where I feel like, um, I'm, I'm kind of at peace and at one with, with the universe. Good. So, um, we're going to conclude with one last question. Uh Oh, it's going to be a big one. It's a, no, it's an easy one. Right. <laughs> I mean, cause you've, you've given us so much today, but the last question is where is God working at in your life? Where do you see God working in your life? Well, for me right now and this time and this moment, um, <laughs> I've made the conscious decision to walk away from incredibly stable, high-paying, um, 
professional, uh, you know, jobs. Yeah. And I was, I felt like I was called like so many people during the pandemic. I was like, this is it. Like I, you get a sense of time and like, you know, I'm in my late forties now. I was like, I need to go start my own business and go do my own thing. Um, and so in the middle of the pandemic, I decided to quit my perfectly good high paying job to, to make zero dollars, <laughs> zero, zero dollars. Um, and actually less than zero dollars. Cause when you're making zero dollars, you're paying out dollars that, you know, you've saved. Right. And uh, so, you know, for me, um, it, it's kind of like two part on a personal level. I think that, you know, although my kids are young and they haven't had enough life experiences to understand or have had those experiences to, to feel a higher power at work. Um, you know, Katie, my wife and I have, so for us, it's brought us spiritually closer together. It's opened up conversations about the larger meaningful picture of life besides just going to, you know, working hard and paying bills and putting food on the table and keeping the roof over our head and raising our kids. Like, it's added this whole deeper level and meaning to our relationship, to our life as a family. Um, and then professionally, you know, I, you know, anyone who owns their own business knows that it's, it, you know, there's a lot of, it's feast or famine, right? And there's lots of times where everything's going okay, you know, and money's coming in, you're doing good work, you're having fun, you're enjoying, you know, everything and you feel good. And then, you know, you lose a client or two and then it's like, oh, like you're back to the fear again. Yeah. Right. And that natural fight or flight instinct kicks in. Yeah. Right. And you gotta, you gotta make a decision. It's like, am I going to go work a job that I don't like? Um, and that I feel like a failure. Like I, I've tried to start this business and it's not working and just kind of like, crawl back under the rock and, you know, start working for other people? Or am I going to like work through this? Yeah. Right. Am I going to stick with it and trust that, you know, I want to be successful. I have the skills to be successful. God wants me to be successful. Um, helps me get through those times of, I mean, now I'm at the point where, you know, I'm, I'm thankful to, to God in the good times and the bad. Yeah. And, but it's helped to, in that respect, you know, and this too shall pass, like, and, it, and it's a, you know, it's a blessing and a curse, right? When things are good, it's like, this too shall pass. But when times are bad, like, this too shall pass, right? <laughs> you know, so um, it's helped to give me a sense of more emotional and spiritual stability to have the confidence to keep going with what I want to do yeah. and what I think can, what I think I can do um, on a professional level. So he's giving you the strength to follow your dreams. Yeah, I think so. I, I feel like I'm, you know, because I work, a, you know, I'm in an office at home working by myself all the time. Um, you know, my dog comes up and sits with me once in a while, and he's a great listener, but he doesn't really add much to the conversation. <laughs> so, um, you know, I feel like, uh, like I'm, I guess, in some strange way, like I'm not alone. Yeah. You know, like I, um, I feel a bit of strength and compassion for on like a spiritual level when I have a bad day. Um, you know, I feel like that's all right. Yeah. You know, this is a gift. Like, what can I learn from this bad? Like, why did things go wrong? What can I learn from this? How can I make corrections that will help, you know, solve these things? And, you know, I look at 
I look at business challenges in, in kind of a different way. You know, I don't, I don't expect that God's just going to take care of everything and right. start like writing checks, you know, and bringing new clients. And <laughs> That'd be nice, huh? It would. Hey, um, but I do feel like, you know, it's, it's comfort. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, we've gone over a lot. I know there's a whole lot more we missed. Yeah. There's a, I could, we I'm, could do I'm like four more episodes on this. Couldn't we? Once we flip, once you flip the switch on me, I, I start <laughs> going. So, uh, yeah. Well, I, I'm really grateful that you spent the time today to come here and, and tell some of your story. I yeah. hope I hope it speaks to a lot of people. I'm sure it will. I hope it does. You know, I mean, I think, you know, with with any story, there's things that people will relate to and maybe not yeah. so much. And, yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm grateful because even, you know, the stories that I've heard from the podcasts and everything, I listen to, you know, the podcast when I'm working sometimes. Oh, good. And um, at least you said you're not saying you, you listen to it to go to sleep. No, no, that's no, good. no. That's good. No, it's good for to listen to while I yeah. work, and I have you know a couple other ones that I listen to. But um, you know, I'm I'm honored to to you know have been invited to do this and to to share my story. And um, you know, I would love it if you know anyone kind of hears this and and feels like wow, you know, I'd, I'd love to talk to him about this or that or. Um, you know, hopefully the tattoos don't scare people off. I'm, you know, I don't bite and, uh, neither do my tattoos. I'm very approachable yeah, and, uh, you know, love it if, uh, you know, if anyone would want to come up and say hello sometime and, uh, meet someone new and I'd love to hear about, you know, other people's stories as well. So yeah. those are inspiring to me. Just hopefully like this one is. Okay. In the future, we got somebody else from the choir. It's going to be in the podcast. Uh-oh. So Excellent. I can tell you who. There's not a bad person in the choir, there is so no. everyone's oh, got a, a wonderful story. So Yeah, well, I am I am so grateful you came here today. I'm grateful you're part of, you know, part of the group that we host and you help host, and uh, um, I'm grateful to know you. So thanks for your time. Absolutely. Thank you, Sean.